Our Lord, thank you. Thank you that your, your kingdom is still advancing. It's something that cannot change <laughs> because you have ordained it. You've called it into being. And so we want to be part of that today. And even as we open up your word today, you'd speak to us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So we're into uh, the last of our series of Money, Sex, Power. This is Power Part 2. Warren did Power Part 1 two weeks ago. It's on the web if you want. It's good if you want to listen to that. Power. In the beginning, God created. Amen? Amen. It was God who created in the beginning because he was all-powerful. So it was in the beginning that God created. And what a creation. And God said you can go anywhere, you can do anything, you're going to have control. Just don't touch that tree. That's all he said. Anything. Just don't touch that tree. Stay away from that tree. And we didn't like that, being told what we can and can't do to limit our authority, our power. And so we did through Adam and Eve. We became rebels through Adam and Eve against those parameters that God had set. And God, you know, God was good. He was very happy to share his power with us. That one little exception. And so because of our rebellion in the garden that led to loss of innocence and pain and carnage, but God kept responding with grace. For all our sin, he just kept responding with grace. In the beginning, and in the time of Jesus, power and power struggles were evident as well. The Romans... The Roman power had swallowed up Greek power and the Romans became caretakers of the Greek language and culture. And uh, that province, Palestine they called it, that province was one of the trickiest ones for Roman power to dominate and control. The Jews were ferociously monotheistic. They only wanted to worship God. That's all they wanted to do. It was tricky. And there were, uh, there were rebels, so-called, the zealots. And, and an offshoot of the zealots were a group called the Sakari, which means uh, dagger, dagger men. And they were into political assassination. They loved crowded uh, areas like the temple and particularly in festivals, heaps of people. And they would do uh, political assassinations with their daggers against the Romans and against um, collaborators. And in fact... In the Jewish War, AD 66, so about um, 30 odd years after Jesus, the Jews rebelled, the Romans came in, they besieged all around Jerusalem. AD 70, they destroyed Jerusalem. There was a remnant, they took off to a fortress called Masada. You might have heard of it. I've got a picture there. Yeah, look at that. And um, they say the Jewish historian Josephus at the time said, there were roughly 900 Sakari that were left there and they all um, committed suicide rather than uh, surrender to the Romans. So first century Israel knew about power struggles, right? They knew about power. We're going to look uh, at the time of Jesus, three passages in Luke, Luke 7, Luke 9, Luke 10. At one time, Jesus was walking along Capernaum. 
and that was his base, and he was approached by a group of very excited Jews. This is also in Matthew 8. And uh, when you think of first century Israel, think of 21st century Afghanistan. That's the kind of context it was. It was violent, it was uh, stressful, uh, dangerous, and a cauldron of, of, of power plays going on. And there was, Luke 7, there was a centurion, which means he had roughly 100 soldiers that he was in control of. He was a Gentile, he wasn't a Jew. And there was a guy, uh, the centurion, they say he was a good guy. He had given to the Jews to help uh, build their synagogue. And the Jews themselves said, this guy's a good guy. And he's got this extremely sick servant. He's going to die, Jesus. Come, heal him. So Jesus starts on his way. And they say he loves our nation. He even built our synagogue. And Jesus was on his way, and the centurion sends a messenger, and he says, Jesus, you don't need to come. I'm aware of your power. I understand that because I have men above me, and I have men below me. I understand power. He says, Jesus, just say the word, and my servant will be healed. And Jesus said, whoa, never have I seen such faith in all of Israel. You see, because the understanding of power and authority is all tied up with our faith. If we don't understand power and authority, uh, we, we struggle with faith. And Jesus was amazed. Faith and power and authority. Luke 9, Jesus heading for Jerusalem. And Jesus sent some messengers ahead to get ready for Jesus, uh, probably food and accommodation. But the people would not welcome Jesus. The Samaritan town, you know, that those traditional enemies of the Jews. And James and John, they, they had experienced the power of Jesus, and they said this, Shall we call down fire and destroy them? And Jesus said, No, bad idea. We're not, we're not going to do that. You know, they had... James and John, they had an answer for those so-and-sos. They had the power. They had this authority. They'd seen it. They'd seen uh, Elijah, Moses up on the mountain. Uh, they'd, they'd seen demons leave. They'd seen people get healed. We've got this power. Let's just blow them away with our power. And Jesus, no, we're not going to do that. And so there's, there's kind of two approaches we can we can take with power. We've just seen one. We can abuse it. We can abuse it. And, and Peter actually says this, 1 Peter 5 verse 3, Don't lord it over those entrusted to you, but be examples to the flock. Don't abuse your power. Don't beat the sheep. Don't abuse your power. And the second wrong approach to power is to try to undermine it. Try to take what is not yours. Sometimes that be, can be quite subtle. Um, there's a penalty in, in rugby called lazy running. And it's not exactly, you know, it's not uh, kicking the opponent in the head. It's that you're offside and you're sort of running to get 
onside, but not really. And you, so you you lumber back to get onside, and it's um, you get in the way. And it's called lazy ro- uh, lazy running. But that's that's still rebellion. You know, you can you can do passive aggressive rebellion, can't you? We know you can do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when I was teaching 2011, I had this uh, guy in my class, and we'll call him James, and uh, well, I had, it took me a while to cotton on to it. It was actually uh, one of his classmates whose name was Righteous, and it was, that's true. His name was Righteous. And he says, Mr. P, you know, when you call James, to, he's been naughty, and he, you call him to come to you, you know what he does? He, he, he wanders around, right around the back of the class and... And the time he gets to you, you've forgotten what it's all about. <laughs> Lazy running. Uh, Hebrews thirteen seventeen says this. Obey your leaders and submit, submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Obey your leaders, submit to your authority, keep, they keep watch over you as those who must give account. Do this so their work will be a joy, not a burden. That would be no benefit to you. That's Hebrews 13, 17. So, uh, in the beginning, and in the time of Jesus, there was power, the power of God, the power of Jesus. Uh, in the now, us here now, and in Vineyard Church, Vineyard Churches are leader-led churches, and there's different styles of church government. Uh, they all have their pros and cons. There's good things and bad things about all these styles of church government. Presbyterian is council-led. Uh, the Baptists are vote-led. The Brethren, they say, um, it's all of us, led by the Spirit. And there's uh, others, Episcopal style, which is leader-led. And so... Vineyard churches, we're leader-led churches. Uh, we believe in consultation, collaboration, uh, not bu- domination, not bullying, but we are leader-led. That's the sort of style that, as a vineyard church, we have adopted. Um, in the now, in the now, ideology is closely related to power. Ideology is closely related to power. Ideology is about, about core beliefs, about society, about organizations, and about family, ideology. But ideology can easily turn into idolatry. When you think your ideas or our ideas about how things should work, it's really easy to be uh, turned into an idol. See, because ideology has only a limited partial account of reality of the way things are. So political ideologies, for instance. Uh, capitalism has some, some very positive things about it. Rewards hard work, rewards creativity, it produces a lot, but it can easily be warped to oppress and destroy. Uh, socialism too has some positive parts about it, has a worthy goal of equal distribution, of sharing. Uh, it, it tries to care for the fragile, of society, but it can, socialism can end up penalizing hard work and thrift. It can become oppressive and rob freedoms. 
And any ideology has become an idol when it refuses to acknowledge sin. Ideology cannot deal with sin. Uh, this guy's name, we'll show his picture, his name is C.M. Jode. He was a philosopher from last century. He was uh, an unbelieving agnostic, but after World War II, he turned back to faith after he had seen the brutality and socialism that the Nazis and the Russian Stalinists had created. And he said this, he said, as, as socialists, we were always being disappointed. We were always being disappointed. See, ideology will end up disappointing because it can't deal with sin. The second trouble with uh, ideology is what the, the book of Proverbs calls a scoffer. And a scoffer is someone who shows contempt rather than graciousness for their opponents. But when we realize that actually we are sinners and we're saved by grace, not by ourselves, but by grace, we can have a generosity and a graciousness even for our opponents, for those are on the other end of the spectrum of our ideologies. We can do that. And thirdly, ideology does not deal properly with the afterlife. So back to the future, back to uh, Luke, Luke chapter 10. And uh, the 72 had been sent out by Jesus, short-term mission trip, and it had gone really, really well. Uh, healings, exorcisms. And Jesus says this, as they come back, they're very excited and they say all the great things that had happened. And Jesus says this, don't be overly excited by the power you have experienced now, the success you have experienced now. Be excited rather that your names are written in heaven. Verse 17, Luke 10, 17. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. 18, I, he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And any power, any influence that we experience now is temporary and it's transitory. It's not going to last. Only that which is forever is eternal. Eh? <laughs> the afterlife, therefore, is way more important. And let's not just get fixated with the now. Don't get drunk on our present day power that we have or, or frustrated that we don't have it. Um, same for money, same for our sexuality. We can just get so focused on the now. Forget about the, the later. Don't make it an idol of this life. There is another life. <laughs> Revelation chapter 7. Back then, the power of God, power of Jesus, the now. 
and now into the future. Revelation 7. This is what it's going to look like. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, language, all before the throne and before the Lamb. No nga iwi katoa, nga hapu, no nga huhinga tangata, no nga reo, e tuana, e mua i te torana, i mua hoki i te reme. Every nation, tribe, language, bowing down before the Lamb. No one could count how many. They were wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around, around the elders and four living creatures and they fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honour and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Imagine that. All of humanity, and there's no power struggles between this tribe and that tribe and, you know, genders and, and this one and that one. It, we're all bowed down before the Lamb because He's the only one worthy of all our honor and all our glory. That's, that's, that's what, that's what the power's about right there in the end. And that is what is to come. That is what is to come. And, and that is what is to come. Yeah. We're just going to meditate on that. We've got a, a, a little song. Uh, it runs into another song. So we'll just meditate on it. Then I'll come back and we'll pray. And, and that'll be us for today. Amen. Let's pray. Yeah, we give you all glory. <clears throat> uh, forgive us, Lord, our little... Power plays, <laughs> our striving and our attempts to dominate. And now uh, we remember you as the lamb that was slain in the very image of God, but came to us and showed us true humility. And uh, Lord, as we go today, that um, aware of your power and aware of our weakness and our, our temptation to rebellion, Lord, that you'd uh, be with us by your spirit. And uh, I, pray my, I pray your blessing upon my brothers and sisters here today that walk out with you, uh, aware of your presence uh, this week, Jesus. Amen.